Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Hollywood Behind Closed Doors with Frank McKay on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Very exciting to have uh, producer, executive producer, uh, show host, um, writer, extraordinaire Aphrodite Jones is our very special guest and uh, the new podcast this is Murder along with uh, uh, Miss Butterfuco and I, I'll let Aphrodite speak to that and uh, that sounds exciting it's uh, uh, it's always exciting around Aphrodite Jones hey well, Aphrodite, I don't know about that hey <laughs> thanks for having me on Frank but I will say that Jesse Butterfuco is uh, quite a force of nature and yes she is Mary Jo and Joey's daughter and uh, frankly, you know, she grew up in the eyes of people um, as, as a child of infamy. And, and the truth is, she's a victim, like many other victims who are family members of people who have either been killed or there's hired to kill or, you know, so it's it's very interesting. And she is, um, I don't want to say it, very, quick wit. So we actually, and this is murder, do something very unusual, and that is when we have a guest on, they understand that we're going to tease around with it, even if their own child was murdered, which is very hard to do. But because Jesse lived as a victim with her mom being shot in the head and suffered paralysis and all the rest of it for 25 years, and because um, I've been doing this myself for over 25 years, dealing with murder uh, yeah. cases and victims uh, and killers, um, we both came to realize that you know there needs to be a little bit of lightheartedness in this little heart lightheartedness in the sense that dark humor in the sense that you know really behind the scenes frank and all the things i've ever done other than my books where i'm able to let it all hang out um you know all of those funny elements those weird elements that you just can't even don't have time to bring up in a 45 minute tv show or even a five-hour documentary, whatever, however long it is, there's things that are there that are the weirdest parts of human nature and weirdest things that people would do, and you never have the time to bring them up, no less make fun of them. So what happens is everybody's doing that in the background. You know, the producers laugh among themselves, never tell the story, yeah. you know, and, and keep going with the facts of the case. And the truth is that those details are sometimes the most you know, crazy and funny things that gives everybody a chance to kind of have some light humor inside of something so dark. So it's it's interesting. We're not making fun of anybody, but we are definitely uh, finding a way to crack a joke here and there. And Jesse's great at that. Yeah, well, Jesse's an interesting partner for you to have. Uh, you know, she was nine years old when this uh, this chaos happened. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, she did nothing to deserve it, and uh, and just out of nowhere, right? Uh, mm -hmm. In her mind, her life is turned upside down. I, oh I mean, yeah, her I, mother opened the door, and and everything, you know, everything became, you know, larger than life. And she was originally told that her mother was, you know fell and hit her head on a nail and she wasn't buying that and then of course she had to live through the whole disfigurement and you know whether her mother would live or die and then obviously the whole 
blowing up of Fisher and the prostitution and the Long Island Lolita and the three TV movies and watching, you know, Alyssa Milano play Amy Fisher uh, on, on a TV movie and all the rest of it. I mean, it just never ends. In fact, it doesn't end to this day when she had, she was in New York recently. We did a Dr. Oz show together. She and I and her mom, Mary Jo and um, Botafuco. And then Mary Jo Botafuco and I had done a show a year prior about the fact that she actually finally got some surgery to fix her smile. There's a way to do that, that someone who was able to connect or disconnect the neuron synapses. I'm not a brain surgeon, so I can't tell yeah. you exactly, but Dr. Ross went into it, um, but to en- enable her to have her smile back again, which only happened in the last year. You know, I, I, I personally, you know, the victimization of, of Mary Jo Botafuco, of the, of, you know, the kids of the Botafucos, Jesse's brother changed his last name because of it. And Jesse, even leaving the airport, you know, on the second go around, when she came to do Dr. Oz to talk about her story as a victim, as a child of infamy, um, you know, the, she said the TSA agent said, are you are you that Botafuco? Jeez, you, <laughs> so, you, can't yeah. get, you can't get away from it. I, it was a phenomenon. It, it, it really was. And, and just yeah. it, you don't even think about what it is. With uh, with the kids, Frank McKay here with Aphrodite Jones, someone who's been covering crime and victims and and murder for for twenty five years, and you wouldn't mm-hmm. believe it if you saw her. She looks like a teenager herself. Oh and, uh, yeah. I, you want to know something? <laughs> Thank I, you, Frank. I, I, yeah. Back in back in two thousand, I was in Brentwood, California, and of course I had to go. You know, I followed the OJ uh, trial. How and, could you not? Right, I, Bundy. Uh, yeah, right. So I went down there, and I went to, uh, you know. Uh, you know, see where the uh, the murder scene was. And I'm not thinking, right? And there's a guy walking his dog. And, and I said to him, and, and I was a little embarrassed because of how silly it sounded, but I wasn't even thinking about the human element of it. And I said, excuse me, I, you know, I hate to ask you, is is this, you know, it looks so different. Is, is this it? And he said, look, he said, uh, he said, I understand everybody's curious. Uh, they've completely changed the face of it, but you're in the general direction. I, I can't say because, you know, they they were dear friends of mine, you know, uh, or she was a dear friend of mine, Nicole was. And, and he just said this, and, and it just hit me like, what am I, an idiot? Jesus, I'm asking some guy, you know, I mean, mm-hmm, you know, for, mm-hmm. for all we know, you know, this is one of the best friends in the area. It's a neighbor, and his life right. was turned upside down. And here I am just being curious and just, you know, I'm not even covering right. it. Right, well, that's show. the thing. You know what? The thing is that people don't realize the ripple effect of any given murder. And the truth of the matter is that, you know, you never think of the kids of O.J. Simpson either. You don't think of the, 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 the family of the accused or the or the convicted. Those people are victims as well. In fact, I'm, I'm doing a show. I taped with somebody on the podcast. Um, this is murder. And Jesse and I both talked to the, to our guest and, and this particular guest, her father is the most prolific serial arsonist in the United States history. Oh. So he, uh, his, his name is John Orr, and he um, burned uh, up an area that burned up 64 houses that miraculously, 40 were burned to the ground, and the others, no one died miraculously, but he did set a fire back, in, this is in California, Pasadena area. He was a Glendale firefighter. Um, he set a fire in... Um, in that area and in a in a um like a i want to say an ace store but it wasn't it was a like that yeah, what, right. what am i hardware thinking store what is hardware yeah. thank you getting couldn't think of. Yeah. so he set a fire in a hardware store that um 
killed four people and he it was revealed through testimony at the murder trial much many many years later they couldn't figure out who this person was because he was a firefighter and he was a hero for so many years in in la and we're talking in the you know in the 80s and 90s you know this is quite some time ago but he was finally caught once dna kind of caught up to the whole situation there was a fingerprint and uh he was caught and his fingerprint was in that found in that that hardware store which means and he had it he has a detail about the hardware store about there was a two-year-old boy who was who was killed in that with four people was, so a woman lost her mother and her son at that moment Jeez. in that hardware store yeah and um you know he he deliberately killed those people he he was in there so he knew in setting that fire just like i'm sure he thought he was killing people in the 64 homes that he let go up in blazes. Um, but but then there were so many other fires in, in Fresno and in, in all different parts of California. And that man is a terrorist uh, fire starter. In fact, Joseph Wambaugh wrote the book about him called Fire Starter um, or Fire Lover. I, yeah. I, I get it confused. Yeah, or something. Something like but in any event, the, the daughter of this man, of John Orr, um, whose name is Lori or Kovac, she's come out with a book recently, you know, a, called Burned about her, you know, having experienced this uh, life of growing up with somebody who had this normal lifestyle and, um, you know, had no idea, frankly, that her father could, you know, she saw him as a hero on the local news all the time. She, she had absolutely no idea that he could have had anything to do with the fires until many years later in hindsight and much therapy, etc. And I mean, it's interesting when she says to me, you know, there aren't firefighters, she says, are the most are the close knit community that you can ever think of, which I, I believe because I yeah. once dated a firefighter and I know they, they have each other's backs. You know, they get it when they're running into fires to save people. They're special, no really doubt. special. And so she said, you know, fire, my, my dad was a firefighter, you know, all those years. And, and, you know, and then after his trial, nobody ever reached out to me to say if I was OK ever. You know, nobody ever reached out to anybody in our family to see if we were OK and ever. And, you know, you don't think about that typically. You don't think about the children of the killer who what, what did she know? She was a kid growing up and this man was out on call with a beeper back in the days before cell phones, always getting paged for, you know, to go save people, rush to a fire. Does she know he's starting the fires or also having affairs and everything else the man did? Apparently he, you know, the sicko was sexually aroused by watching fire, which is a whole other thing. And she doesn't learn that until many years later. So she's traumatized and re-traumatized. And has to go through a murder trial where apparently she testified believing her dad that you know, he shouldn't be given the death sentence and he didn't get the death sentence. He lived. And now she feels she was used by him to do that. She wishes she never she never made that testimony because she realizes finally she came to the realization that, you know, he's he's a murderer and a monster. You know, it's very hard for someone to do that. So let, let me just remind folks that are just tuning in or just turning on their radios. Frank McKay here, much more importantly, Aphrodite Jones is our very special guest. And she's a writer and uh, just an amazing 
um, resource for anything that has to do with murder or crime or, or she's just wonderful. Uh, the, the podcast is This Is Murder and her, her, co- her podcast partner is Jesse Buttafuoco. And I didn't even realize there was a Jesse. I mean, this is how uh, oblivious right. we get Nobody in society. Nobody thinks about, Jesse yeah, nobody thinks about the ripple effect, you know? Yeah, they just terrible. don't. I, and of course, I've been dealing with this, Frank, for over 25 years. So I, my whole life has been dealing with ripple effects. You know, it's the cousins, it's the it's the neighbors. It's the, as you said, when you were walking down Monday and, you, you know, you, you, you grab somebody off the street, just ask them, which is Nicole Brown Simpson's house. And you find out this is a friend. And then you start feeling bad because you realize this guy's been having to, you know, live with the hurt of this all these years, plus the aggravation of people turning his house into a tourist site or the, the area, you know, yeah. which, you know, this is why the people on Rockingham where OJ lived in Brentwood, which is, was a mansion. Um, they actually bought the house and had it, had it demolished. Yeah. Um, That's right. Back. Right. It was you remember destroying that? values. I mean, it was destroying the housing values. Exactly. And, and it was because it became a looky loo for people. Just, you know, I, I just came from the El Chapo trial, you know, the jury's out as we speak. Yeah. Um, well, I shouldn't say that because I don't want to date right, this, right, right. but, but still, let, let me go back. Let yeah. me go back. So, you know, I just covered the El Chapo trial and I have to tell you um, that when you talk about heavy duty trial, I mean, the, you know, I've, I was at OJ's trial in Las Vegas when he was convicted. I was at Casey Anthony's trial, which was a, was a debacle, um, you know, uh, gavel to gavel. I was at, Phil Spector's trial, Robert Blake's trial, uh, Michael Jackson's trial. I can continue to name drop about, you know, big trials, but I will Jerry Sandusky, who's recently been back in the news. Um, But El Chapo, um, to me, really is the epitome of evil and yet has the face of a cherub. Mm. And that's the difference. I mean, I know I'm at the sentencing of BTK. That's another serial killer whose daughter has recently come out with a book finally after all these years grappling with the fact that her dad was the btk she didn't know it he was a church man and a and a dog catcher and a you know had an office in the local police station there wow i was there i went to all those places yeah and what was he doing he was making love to a corpse in the church on in the basement floor while you know in, in days where the church was closed I mean, just insanity, what this man was and is, and yet uh, proud of himself at his sentencing hearing. I was there. I interviewed some of the victims, family members. Again, you know, ripples upon ripples of victims there because he terrorized Wichita, Kansas for 30 years. And, you know, the daughter, I thought to myself back then, this was 2005, Frank, when BTK was sentenced. um, and, And, you know, I thought to myself, wow, I wonder if... Uh, how this family, because I was on the block, because he killed somebody on their same block a few houses down in a suburb of Wichita. And so, you know, there I am thinking, Dennis Rader is his real name. And I'm thinking, what about this wife and these kids? I mean, he, he was caught out of nowhere all these years. No one knew who he was. And then suddenly, boom, they were able to track a, a disc that he sent to a computer at where he worked, or I think the church actually is where it connected to. And they caught him and here he was living this double life and suddenly the, the kids and the mother find out that daddy is a freaking monster that's been terrorizing and binding and torturing and killing people all over the, the wow. area for yeah, all just those wow. decades. Wow. Just wow. You know, uh, so I, it is. Let me, let me jump in. You know, I, 
I did a Lisk series, you know, the Long Island series, serial killer. And I, I oh did, my goodness, you know, I, did, yes, I, yes, I did yes. it for a while, and, and and you know, we were doing it every Wednesday and whatever. And I I've got to hand it to you because I, it, first of all, it it's draining. It really it is, is draining just to constantly hear about death and and murder and, and horrible women. parts of death. You yeah. know, not just no, it's not just death. It's murder, and you know, it's it's not just murder. It's murder of the most foul you know it's it's not somebody snapped and shot her husband and that's the end of it no 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 no. i mean that never makes the news it's a whole premeditated you know mentality that goes into somebody who wants to perhaps torture and kill like 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 el chapo you know he yeah. was torturing people the the way you see in the movies you know i mean i don't know if you took it some people take it from the movies and do it other people like him he he's got movies made after him yeah. you know right they're, uh, they're imitating it, him his real yeah life. it's art imitating life oh yeah. i'm sorry hold That's on all right. who, my, who do you got my, over there he, what kind of what kind of dog my dog get? barney is he barney is, come is on he a now. watchdog he keeps you from uh uh, is he's he... a watchdog, and there's squirrels outside. He's on squirrel patrol now. <laughs> I was going to yeah. you know, do you ever, and, and again, let me remind folks once again, if you're just turning on your radio or you're just turning uh, in a little late, or tuning in a little late, Aphrodite Jones is our very special guest, and her podcast partner is Jesse Buttafuco, and uh, that's fascinating in itself. Uh, you know, she was a victim. Uh, you know. Check us out. This is murderpodcast.com, so yeah. if you want to want to check out what we've got going on um our first number of episodes and how it's going i'd love for people to tune in and give us feedback and again listen i don't want to give any sickos any ideas but i you you cover all of this and and you write about this and you talk about this and you're all over tv i do you ever you ever get any uh you know creepy characters um uh, threatening you you ever feel like you're, you're well in danger? yeah you know i I, I don't like to talk about that too much because I certainly don't want to elicit right. it. But exactly. I will say that um, um, I, I have had some threats over the course of my career. I mean, it, it is 25 plus years sure. that I've been doing this. And then back in time, I was by myself on the road writing books and interviewing people um, with a tape recorder. And there's no cell phones, you know, yeah. um, and, and I'm dealing with killers and their buddies and their buddies are still out and all kinds of things went down. Um, I, I had to deal with the Aryan Brotherhood, for example, which is a prison gang that um, the guy was in, in Pelican Bay, which is a, a, you know, max super max prison in California. However, and I went in there and you know didn't get to talk to him, but just to see it because it was, it was just, it's amazing to see a super max. And, but, but the point is he was one of the heads of the Aryan Brotherhood, which is a prison gang, which is a Nazi type of thing. You know, obviously Skin white heads, supremacist right. gang. Right. And but they're prisoners, they're prison gangs. So what they do is they use the people on the outside to do their bidding. And then, of course, when the people on the outside come in, they're part of the gang already. And then more will get let out. And it's a vicious cycle. And um, at that time, this was when the reason I got involved with it at all is that these this is the guy who had the dogs in San Francisco that the two lawyers of the of this Aryan Brotherhood monster were holding for for him in the city of san francisco and i don't know if you remember in pacific heights that there was a woman from long island a lacrosse coach who was eaten alive by two presicanario dogs in oh, san francisco yes. oh my god do you remember that yeah, yeah diane yeah. whipple the dog yeah horrible uh and um and i also then wrote the book about it called red zone and 
uh, you know, the behind the scenes of the San Francisco dog mauling. And in that time period, having gone to Pelican Bay, having dealt with all these crazy Aryan Brotherhood associates, people were in the witness protection program that I was talking to. People were scared to death. Um, the trial was going on at the time that I got involved in this story. And they had to move the trial to Los Angeles because it was that uh, high profile and also crazy. And um, again, you know, when you talk about threats, yeah, yeah, there were. You know, there, there, and there have been others at times. And, you know, I just recently did a piece for Reels on El Chapo. And, you know, I had to think twice, you know, kind of winced about it before I said yes. You know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's I, a real deal. And he's got a he's got a real army out here. The guy's a very powerful guy. I uh, Keep your thought for one second. Let me remind everyone. Aphrodite Jones, uh, just a wonderful writer. Uh, and she's got a podcast. This is Murder, along with Jesse Buttafuoco. And uh, and check out everything that they've done. Everything she does is wonderful. Uh, she... Well, I've got a book coming out also. Just guys, so Frank, just to make one point too. I have a book that's being reissued. It's called A Perfect Husband. It's coming out in May, um, and by Kensington Books. And that book is the story of Michael Peterson, who's a novelist who said his wife fell down the stairs in their mansion in North Carolina. In 2001, he was tried for it. He was convicted of murder, first degree. I was at that trial. And then, lo and behold, he gets a new trial because the, the blood expert had falsified his credentials. And his fancy attorney was able to, you know, figure out, okay, on a different, you know, on a different case, this blood expert had been caught falsifying information. And so they said, we need a new trial. Well, he got the new trial. And he then, they didn't ever have the new trial. He sat home on house arrest for a couple of years. And finally, um, he took a plea, an Alfred plea, to guilty of manslaughter. And uh, But the thing is, this is chronicled, Frank, in what's very popular right now is a series on Netflix called The Staircase. And I don't know if you know anything about it or have seen it. But I, no, but the, I've heard I've heard good things about it, actually. Well, because it follows this killer and his whole defense team. They had unprecedented access to him and everybody in his family for 16 plus years. It was it's a real uh, feat that they, they were able to get that access and to put this together. Um, and so what's happening now is that this, the lawyer for Michael Peterson, whose name is David Rudolph, along with a lawyer from the making a murderer case, a defense attorney in that case, the two of them have teamed up and are literally going around the world to stage venues like they were at the Western Music Fair recently. Wow. Seriously. And I went and saw them um, to, to speak to groups all over the world, by the way, about the unjust justice system in the United States of America, which I personally take a lot of um, umbrance to because I feel like, first of all, they're defense attorneys. And I, I you know, I know they're not supposed to know whether the client is guilty or innocent. Perhaps they really believe their client's innocent. But at the end of the day, jury found the person guilty. He got away with an Alfred plea, get slid out with pleading guilty to manslaughter, which is still murder. Sure. And, you know, I'm sorry, but... You know, for that to now be a sideshow, a literally traveling circus, um, 
it, it, how it successful just, is it? Is it a uh... well? It's very, it's very successful in Europe, unfortunately, and that's what really makes me furious. Is because they're talking about they're in Canada and they're in Norway and they're here and they're there and people love it. Yeah, because they want to hear that the American justice system is no good. The guy who made the documentary, The Staircase, the you know this lengthy series that's now out, is from France, and his first documentary, which won an Oscar, which you know he's a tremendous documentarian, but that first documentary again, was about an unjust American justice system that wrongfully accused a young black kid, African-American kid, of a murder that ultimately they, the jury realized he was not guilty. But, you know, I mean, I, 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 I take umbrage with people coming here from other countries and taking advantage of what, what's wrong with the American justice system and focusing solely on that. I mean, there's a lot wrong with our system, but it's the best system in the world. This, I'll tell you that. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Aphrodite Jones is our very special guest. And uh, if you stepped away, welcome back, everyone. Aphrodite Jones uh, is the, the writer, and she has a wonderful podcast. This is Murder. And and you could hear she she says uh, says it as it is and and nobody covers uh, murder and crime better than Aphrodite Jones. Frank McKay here. Her podcast partner is Jesse Butterfuco. And uh, yeah, that name I I don't know any other Butterfucos other than that's Joey, it. Right? She's that, the one, she's the, the only. One. Yeah, she was nine years old when all of that went down. Again, Frank McKay here with Aphrodite Jones. I yeah, think about it. Nine years old she was. What what do you? What's your impression of of uh, Jesse? Uh, what was the effect on her? And I, you know, obviously, your friends and you're you're doing this. But, oh, absolutely. But, well, first of all, you have to realize we're both Long Island girls. So even mm-hmm. though I left Long Island a long time ago, I you know, returned and, um, you know, being from Long Island and growing up on Long Island, you, you can't get that out of your blood. And so, of course, when all this went down, I was here, I was there on Long Island, I was there around them. And, you know, having met both Mary Jo Botafuku and then Mary Jo with Jesse, we just connected and realized, you know, we can talk on a certain level that not everybody can necessarily jive with me at the same rate. Let's put it that way. I mean, I can, you know, I can you know, slow myself down to a pace of a Southerner because I lived in Kentucky for seven years. But at the end of the day, my real pace is that New York minute, you know? Yeah. It, it, it just is, you know, and it's brin bread in you. You can't lose it, even if you try. And believe me, I tried for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to ever be called a New Yorker when you live in the South or, you know, believe me, it's like you're the devil. But yeah. anyway, well, I digress. I, no, that's right. Yeah, but let's let's talk about that. I mean, these these uh, crimes. I mean, and again, you cover them better than anyone. Uh, do they do they react to them differently uh, across the country? I mean, is it uh, does it depend on the particular case or geographically? Is there a uh, is there a different feel? Um, you know, Long Island. You know, it was a it was a circus, but we're so close to New York, New York City mm-hmm. that we've we've seen a lot of circuses. And I guess the same right. thing with the the OJ trial. I mean, nobody's ever seen anything like that. But I mean, that was that mm-hmm. was Los Angeles. So uh, they're used to seeing circuses and they're used to seeing uh, extravaganzas and sensationalism. Mm-hmm. But you know, down south, I mean, you mentioned Peterson, right? And and yeah, you mentioned in Durham, him. yeah, in Durham, North Carolina. I mean, how do those people react to it? Is it is it stronger? Are they uh, are they just different? I mean, how do you how do you compare the geographical reaction? Well, okay, I'm going to say this, and it is very interesting um, that you asked that because 
in Durham, South Carolina, there's, you know, that whole genteel thing of the South and everybody's the charm school and this and that. And you, and you get that. You, you feel that there. But at the end of the day, everybody's real sweet, and real nice, but they talk to you real nice. But guess what? They're going to stab you in the back just the same as anybody else. So they're not that different. You know, they just have that, uh, you know, over veneer of, you know, all the charm and hospitality, which which they are more hospitable than a New Yorker. And they are sweeter and kinder to a stranger. That I will say. But um, New Yorkers, you know, we're, we're known for being pushy and, you know, there's just too many people here. You just don't have time and. You know, you're not going to talk to strangers. You know, you're told not to talk to strangers as a kid. You know, whatever. But um, other than that difference, I would say that in North Carolina, this was huge news. This trial was front page every day, big news, and Court TV covered it gavel to gavel. That was when Court TV was still around, and people followed Michael Peterson. And the odd thing was, I had just finished the Scott Peterson trial, or I'm sorry. I, fit, I was in the Michael Peterson trial when the Scott Peterson pretrial hearings were going on, preliminary hearings, and I thought, I can't go to another Peterson. And sure enough, I wound up at the, at the Scott Peterson trial gavel to gavel, and I thought, there's too many Petersons. While I was at the Scott Peterson trial, the, the Michael Peterson book came out, and I had to go back, and I did a talk at Duke University for it, and wouldn't you know that this is the part that's strange to me. Somebody came up with a theory that it wasn't Michael Peterson who killed his wife, that she, when she fell down the stairway and had all these uh, impact wounds to her head and, and defensive wounds and that there was blood, you know, spatter all up and down the staircase. No, 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 no. It was an owl, somebody surmised, an oh. owl attack, an wow. owl attack. Are you hearing me, Frank? Yeah, an it's, owl. It's, wow. Okay, so I just want you to keep that in mind because, you know, our fans for This Is Murder are called our owls because, you know, everybody needs to watch out for them. And and, and owls are good. They're out at night. You know, they can spin their head all the way around. And you just never know when you might need an owl here or there. But you know you're, what I mean? you're serious about that? This is... Oh, oh, yes, yes. In the in the in the circus show that David Rudolph puts on with the guy from Making Murder, the two of them, the staircase and Making Murder, that's the headline of the show. And they, he literally was at, they went to the audience, let me give you all your questions. And they had all these questions for the guy from making a murder about Stephen Avery and, and the nephew and this and that and Brendan Dassey. And then they've gotten to the whole staircase thing because, you know, somebody else fell down the stairs in this man's life and Michael Peterson's life. And she was a woman in Germany, uh, you know, many years, 18 years before Kathleen Peterson fell down the stairs in Durham. And she died at the bottom of the staircase. And Michael Peterson was the last person to have seen her alive. So, you know, it, it's, it's don't you think that's a little bit of a coinky thing? Yeah, I, I, I would think. Uh, let me just remind folks once again. Aphrodite Jones is the voice that you're hearing, and you could hear her uh, better on, uh, well, you can hear more of her, I should say, on uh, on her own podcast. This is Murder, and she does that along with Jesse Buttafuoco. And uh, give, us a, give us a website uh, or a social oh, media yeah. site. And, and again, sure. Frank McKay here with Aphrodite Jones, the writer, the the uh, the TV star, the radio star. She, oh. she, is, she is the quintessential. Uh, voice in murder, murder queen. I'm a murder queen. She's the that's murder the, queen, the, the vicious, <laughs> vicious murder queen. Uh, Aphrodite Jones again here with me. Yeah, the but queen like Q K W E E N. Yeah, you right. know, not yeah. 
Murder so, Queen, Murder Queen. <laughs> so give us a give us a site. Give us a a website. Okay, or... so so our website is this is murder. You know, all one word podcast, all one word. This is murderpodcast dot com, and that'll take you to the episodes and give you all like you know we've got a newsletter and all whatever fan stuff and sign ups and all of that going on. That's you know, I mean, actually rapidly. Uh, you know, rapidly growing because Jesse, I don't know if you realize, had been on a podcast in Los Angeles. No, I, I never somebody. heard of her until you, until okay. you mentioned it. Until you, you're the well, one who, she was, the reason I chose Jesse to work with me on this is because she was uh, a, one of the, the regulars on uh, a very popular podcast in Los Angeles that was kind of a Howard Stern type show. Yeah. So I, I don't want to say this is Howard Stern meets murder because we don't necessarily get dirty, but we definitely do get risque. Okay. And we get a little, you know, on the, on the edge, and even with the funny side, like I said, so we, you know, we handle it a little differently. And, and, and I like that because I feel like people, like I said, need that outlet almost to, to hear this dark stuff. And it's just, just dark. And especially because we have the person on who's been involved in it. So we're not just making fun or, or picking at anything that, you know, out of blue air or out of blue skies. We're with the person who's either been affected or, yeah. you know, has had someone killed. In the interview that we do during the podcast, that's an element that that's part of it. And it's very important to, to me. It's very important to Jesse that, you know, we have that victim or we have that person who ha- is part of the ripple effect that, you know, has been victimized by a murder. And, um, you know, hear that other story, whatever that is. And see, there's so many stories see, you know, just I mean, to there's comment so many- on, on what you just said, not to cut, cut you off, but you have the credibility to do that. You've been covering this for 25 years. Nobody thinks that you take the victims lightly or nobody thinks that you got a victim with you on the show. You, nobody, nobody is going to question your sensitivity about, uh, you know, about a situation. But again, when you're, uh, you, you can do that and you could pull out. I've, I've heard you talk lightly yeah. about, and, and you do it. Yeah. In well, on my show on true crime on ID, sure. I would definitely make remarks here and there. And, and I was the only one who was able to get away with that because the fact of the matter is, if I'm talking about a killer and he likes to wear a diaper, right. you know, I'm definitely going to go there. You know yeah. What I'm yeah. Right. Why wouldn't you? I mean, that's, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, and I'm going to get into that. Like, uh, really? Like, they found diapers in his drawer, you know, whatever it may be. And I'm, I'm just making it up, sure. but there's plenty of, you know, you want to talk about wacko things, the BTK. I mean, he did everything besides he wore the underwear of his victims while he was, I don't know, having sex with the, with a corpse. I mean, it, it just goes on and on. I mean, you can, you can have a field day with creepiness and bizarreness and kookiness and all of it, you know? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. Aphrodite Jones again is our very special guest. Her podcast is "This Is Murder." It's fantastic. Everyone go there and 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 you could hear her and Jesse Buttafuoco um, yapping it up, yapping, yapping it, up. it up. But but you know what? We're really we also very sincere, both of us. I mean, we, she's a victim of murder attempt. I'm you know as you say, and I appreciate what you said about you know you people know from what I, my work, my body of work for my whole life that you know I do take it very seriously and I do take it to heart and and frankly you know the truth is Frank that 
I have taken so much to heart for so many years that this is where I decided to come up with this podcast to have a little bit of an outlet because first of all, to tell stories that have that nobody has time to tell in a in a short TV format or on a news show. But second of all, to be able to actually find the quirks and the bizarreness of it and kind of go there a little bit because it makes it a little bit fun. And, you know, my producer says, yeah, we're having murder is fun for us. And I laugh. I say, yeah, it's real fun. But it, it has to be a little bit. Yeah. You know, it has well, to be a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if, if um, you want a serious, uh, a, a, a dead serious view, go to CNN. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, I mean, you could, like listen, that. I can we can turn on news every minute of every day and see horrendous murders and El Chapo's and whatever else the new murder du jour is. I mean, I get People magazine and it's just one murder after another after, you know, women killing their babies. And it just you, you look at it all and think, oh, my God, you know, it, it's getting worse, not better. Is or it, there's more. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it let seems me ask like it. Is there anything that and, and you you cover all these trials, you show up to all of these things. Is there anyone that sticks out as as being the the worst of a bad bunch. I mean, they're all horrendous, right? But I mean, is there anybody that just gave you the chills and, and you just looked at pure evil? Uh, who, you know, I mean, is it El Chapo? Is it, is it... It, it, it is El Chapo. It's, it's Joaquin Guzman. Yep, it's El Chapo. That that was, that was um, by far, you know, I was in the courtroom and it's very small. You had to stand outside at 6.30 in the morning and you weren't let into the, the, the courthouse. They decided they want to let you in at 7 or 7.30, whenever it's freezing cold. It was a winter trial. And, you know, um, but when you finally get in there and he's sitting there, when he, it, he he turned his gaze at me once or twice the whole trial. And I'm sitting one row behind his wife. I mean, this is the wife that's 29 years old and has all fanfare around her. Um, that You know, uh, he has a lazy eye. And there's something about his look. He, the we, sun. When did it, we lose you for a second? I, you, you were mentioning his lazy eye, and we kind of lost you for a second. Okay. I said he's got a lazy eye. And, you know, when he turns his gaze, when he turned his gaze at me, I felt like, you know how when you're not supposed to look at the sun during a solar yeah. eclipse? <laughs> yeah. That, that's how I felt like I, I didn't know where to put my eyes like where to dart my eyes away from him and I, I didn't I, I didn't want to dart my eyes away from him because I just felt like oh my god you know why are you looking at me for you know I mean I'm I know I'm not that I'm not I'm not I'm sitting pretty close but don't don't look my way you know and I don't I've never felt like that I you know I met OJ Simpson during the Las Vegas thing and he was Mr. Personality you know um, I dealt with all these dark forces of evil you know like I say, from Jerry Sandusky to yeah, uh, an evil bastard. Yeah, he's he's an evil, evil bastard. And, um, and you know, and I mean, Scott Peterson, who's, who's like a twerp, but, yeah. you know, who killed his wife and unborn child and sits there on death row and wants a new trial. I mean, God, the guy was was a, a maniacal uh, premeditated murderer of his wife and unborn child. Yeah. And, you, you know. But but didn't ha didn't feel that way in courtroom. And in the courtroom, you felt like, well, you know, like could he have really done this? He's in his little preppy uniform and looking all nice and shiny. And you're thinking, but no, a BTK is another one that I would say that if there's anybody in this country that I would say is the worst of the worst that I ever came across. After I finished with the BTK sentencing uh, um, in in Wichita. I'll never forget it, Frank. I was literally, I was getting on the plane in Wichita and I was at the airport waiting at the gate 
and I just broke down in sobs to myself. I just was crying like a baby. I never had that happen before in any of the cases I've ever covered. I mean, I've cried with a victim here and there off camera. I've, you know, welled up. I've been, you know, certainly choked up. I've had nightmares and all those things that go along with living in the world of crime that I do. But never had I literally broken down and started to cry like a baby. Mm. That was that that was what my reaction to seeing Dennis Rader being so arrogant and proud of what he'd done to terrorize Wichita for all those decades and interviewing the uh, family of the first victims, which I did on Fox with Bill O'Reilly's show um, back when Fox was a different Fox, when everything wasn't so uh, one way or the other, let's put it on. And yeah, you know, and going to those locations where the BTK had, had strangled and tortured uh, these people is, yeah, and brutal. Yeah, you know brutal. the neighborhood where he lived and thinking about his family and like i i actually went with the kansas bureau of investigation lead investigators and they took me to all these locations and told me stories that nobody knows and this is why when i left there i just i just started i, I couldn't leave i just started bawling I mean, I literally well, I was bawling it. I, I mean, it, it's got to have an effect on you. My God, I mean, all of this, I, I can imagine you sitting down with a therapist and they're going to say, well, what do you think? You know, you're, you're surrounded. <laughs> what, what do you think is yeah. going to happen to you? You know what I mean? But right. uh, anyway, l- listen, I, I appreciate everything and, and your time. And, and you know, we've done, we haven't done a show together in, in so long. I don't even know if you right. remember me. Doing too long. Like, I do yeah. remember you. Of yeah. course I remember. I came out to the studio. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, we did TV. And uh, yeah. yeah, just uh, listen, you're terrific. I love your work. It's uh, I admire you, what you do. And you, you've got, you know, Thank nerves you. of steel and you're in, uh, you know, face to face with some of the most vicious people around. And they have, you know, they have tentacles, you know, so uh, but <laughs> let's let, hope Chapo doesn't have any tentacles. No. I know he's supposed to, but I don't know. I just well, let's not even talk about it. Let's not give anybody any <laughs> ideas. Right. This is Murder is the podcast. Uh, if there's an idea to give, uh, it's to check out Aphrodite Jones with Jesse Butterfly. Fuko and uh, and I don't know Jesse, but uh, if she's if she's approved of by Aphrodite Jones, then she's uh, terrific. Uh, Aphrodite. Well, you'll Jones. get to know her when you listen to the podcast, Frank, and I think you're going to like her. I think you're going to love her because yeah, well, I certainly do. Well, it sounds terrific. But listen, uh, the writer, the TV personality, the radio personality, and you saw her so many years on Fox. Aphrodite Jones is uh, has been our guest. Uh, Frank McKay, thanking. Uh, Aphrodite Jones, and let's not let it be six years or whatever it's been since uh, okay. we do another one. And uh, thank you we very much. We make a much. date with me and Jesse and you. Yes, and congratulations, congratulations on all the success and the new podcast coming out and everything. Thank you so much, and check out that book, A Perfect A Perfect Husband. It's going to be coming out in May, so if you have a chance, you'll see my answer to the staircase on Netflix, and you'll see what they didn't put in there because there's lots of evidence of this man's guilt that they they sneakily didn't put in the, this long, long thirteen hour documentary. Yeah. So, well, get uh, oh, give us a website, but give it to us quick. We're out of time. Give us okay. My website is AphroditeJones.com. If anybody has a story that they've been touched by a murder and they want to talk about it, please contact me through there. Or you can go right to our website at thisismurderpodcast.com. Great job, as always. Uh, Keep up the great work and, and keep yourself safe, Aphrodite. Thank you, Frank. 